Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Kirk Dieter, actually. Kirk Dieter and Tim Romano filling in for Terry Wickstrom today on the Terry Wickstrom Outdoors show. Um, those of you who have followed Field and Stream magazine for the years recently might know Tim and my, me from being uh, the fly talk guys. We're the guys that talk fly fishing. And uh, so it's a great honor to have my friend Tim in studio. Tim? Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> so you been fishing lately? Uh, a little bit. Not not a whole lot locally, but I've been lucky enough to have been doing some traveling. Oh, yeah. I mean, the weather here has been crazy. It's almost like I don't think that uh, the rivers are even starting that much yet. No, it's a it's a weird, weird spring. I can't quite figure it out. We had a we had a good day a couple weeks ago, but I'm you know the weather recently has been really tough. Yeah, you're gonna go float float tomorrow though. I understand. I, I am. I'm gonna take my two and a half year old. <laughs> first time, first float of the year, first float for her ever. Perfect, perfect. So anyway, um. I wanted to talk to you about a few things, and, and it's, it's, it's always good to, to catch up with you, Tim, because we go way back. I think our first trip together was 2003. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, to Chile. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing that it's been that long. <laughs> that long. And, and we've stuck together, and uh, you, of course, are a, ph- a photographer by trade, and I'm a writer by trade. And so we've plied our talents together, and although we've been working together for the last, uh, oh, gosh, 15 to almost 20 years, um, we don't do a lot of stories together at the same time. Uh, Unfortunately not. That's right. But we do, uh, we partner on a lot of things. We're partners with Angling Trade Magazine, so we follow the the business of fly fishing, and we, um, you know, we've worked on Fly Talk with Field and Stream, and and it's it's been fun. It's been fun. So um, what we want to do today is is basically we've got some great guests we're going to talk about different things we're going to, obviously we're focused on fly fishing but we'll talk about other types of fishing as well um we're going to take it easy on and um, we'll talk a little bit of product we've gotten we've gotten some people who have submitted questions that they wanted just like the old fly talk format where they would ask us something and we would say uh, we would fake an answer and see if we <laughs> <laughs> so we'll fake some answers today we'll see how that goes we'll also um I'd like to talk, we're going to be talking later today with Chris Wood, the CEO of Trout Unlimited, and uh, that's that's always fun for me, and, and we'll also be talking to Nate Zielinski as usual, and we've got folks from the Parks and Wildlife, so lots of good stuff in, 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 the, in the plan for today, but Tim, you know, what I'd like to do with you, uh, first off and, and starting off, is let's talk about some boating. boating? I yeah. can do that, I like boats, yeah, that's right. much, much to my wife's chagrin. <laughs> How many boats do you have? Ooh, depends on what you qualify as a boat. Real boats? Yeah. Uh, four or five. Four or five. Start start talking about, you know, little inflatables. I don't know. I got them stashed in friends' garages, <laughs> side of my brother's hangar, you know. Do you really need that many boats? No, of course you don't need that many boats. Right. But, you know, it's like a bad habit. Once you start, you need one for this, you need one for that. Well, you know, I was thinking about boats. You were actually the one who talked me into getting my boat. I I, 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 I was indeed. After a, a long time of hemming and hawing, I had a, I had an inflatable, 
uh, an NRS gig bob, and then I, you know, I, I, I hunkered up, down and I got a. You put on the big boy pants. I put on the big boy pants, and I, and I got a Boulder Boatworks drift boat, a dory. And the 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 beauty of that one is that it's it's a uh, it's made of plastic. It is, which and so you can bump into rocks. I mean, usually you wouldn't row the types of rivers that we row uh, in 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 a hard boat. You know, because you can, you can, you don't get a lot of. Uh, there's not a lot of forgiveness as far as bumping off a rock. Right. But this, this is the type of boat that you can do that with. But if you were starting off, and you know, you started off with a raft. I mean, would it be fair to say that a raft is probably the safest play for anybody who wants to? They're sitting there thinking, "I want to get out and I want to do more boating. I want to see more of the river. I want to have more opportunity." What would you what would you set them up with? Yeah, I think I think so, especially in this state. I mean, our our rivers are you know really pretty steep gradient. They're not forgiving for hard boats or or drift boats or dories as people know them. Um, while I personally enjoy rowing those boats because they're a little bit nicer to row, um, a raft is is definitely the way to go. And there's there's so many options um, at this point. I, I mean, there's a million things you can get, but you don't need to spend a whole ton of money. Um, have they have they changed a lot in the last ten years? Or I mean, it seems to me like you blow them up and the frames might change. Yeah, but. yeah I mean, when you boil, when you boil it all down, it's rubber. But yeah. yeah, there's you know there's fancier fishing frames. There's there's different rockers on the boats. There's sizes. Right. But bottom line, it's a it's an inflatable bladder. Right. So when you say nicer to row, you're talking about I've noticed it. You know, whether sometimes you feel like you're sludging along and you're not as nimble you can't turn around or slalom around the rocks like you can if you're in a hard boat or a dory definitely yeah yeah i think you get spoiled in a dory because it um you talk about the the term is ferrying where you can go back and forth laterally across the river and it's a lot easier to get up and go quickly in a hard boat um which you know it's it's like the difference between driving a bus and, and driving a porsche you just can do it a lot quicker with less effort in a, in a hard boat. Now, this is good. I'll tell you, Tim, you've been a good partner and friend for a lot of things, but you've been my mentor on the boating side of things. So <laughs> and so far, I haven't, wrap, I haven't wrapped myself around any rocks or anything yet. But. You're not trying hard enough. <laughs> so, all right. So, someone who lives here, and they got, they've decided they got a raft, and they're in the Front Range or in the Denver area and whatnot, and where are some places that people can easily go float? Like, where would you recommend? Uh, I mean, for better or worse, it's gotten really crowded, but it's still an amazing fishery and a very forgiving river when it's when it's at normal flows. The Colorado River, as I think a lot of people know, um, near the Kremlin area is is one of the easiest places to get to. The boat ramps are easy. Um, there's a lot of people around. Very few rapids that have any consequence. I mean. Don't get me wrong, a river is a river, and there's always consequence. But the Colorado River, anywhere from, let's say, Pump House, which is right near Kremlin, all the way out to Dotsero, is a pretty easy beginning river for most people. Right. Now, on the flip side of that, you just finished a float last week or so that would be considered expert. Um. Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, we did Um. We did Browns Canyon on the Arkansas, which is, is rare to be able to do it. I mean, it's... I think it's the most heavily trafficked whitewater stretch in the country or, or the Arkansas, but it's rare to be able to fish it and float it at the same time. Um, and so the water was low enough a couple of weeks ago. It's very technical. 
at, at those low flows, but it was also fishing really well. And, uh, but yeah, you got to know what you're doing. You can't just go down there and row it. And when you say fishing well, like what kind of fishing? Uh, we had a really amazing streamer day. So, you know, fish chasing fish, basically, um, you know, someone's, we had two people in each boat throwing streamers all day. And so the rower was having a ton of fun. And so was the angler. Any size of the fish? Oh, they're not huge in the Arkansas, but you know, not bad anywhere from, I think we, we caught a ton of cookie cutter, you know, 14 to 16, 17, 18 inch fish. Browns mostly? All browns. Yep. All right. Well, um, so a couple other quick questions on the boating side of things. You taking your daughter tomorrow? tomorrow yeah her first float ever blair blair is blair or mabel my other daughter if you're listening hello <laughs> i get to say it all out <laughs> of the whole family here we are on the radio so they love it yeah they do you love don't it. think it's a, you know too early to you know like the, the sooner you get them acclimated to the river and they obviously take swim lessons you've got them in pfds everyone wears pfds in your boat i know that yeah yeah i think um yeah, you know, Blair, she's never gone, so this will be her first time. And I was hesitant with my first my first girl to take her until she was a little older. Maybe it's just second child thing, but I'm throwing caution to the wind. She seems a lot more interested in it, and I think that's the key. It's You know, I don't think there's a steadfast rule. It's if your kid's interested, you know, do it. Do it slow. Do it in slow chunks. Don't go out for the whole day. Snacks. Snacks are key. Um <laughs> and that snacks are key for me. Yeah, me too. You've noticed that, you know. But uh, what what do you think? Also, as far as them rowing the boat, that's a good question. I'm I'm learning that myself. But uh, Mabel has shown interest. My oldest daughter, and we have a smaller boat, and we we're trying to figure out how to teach her without buying new oars. And I stumbled upon something the other day that if you flip the oar locks in instead of out it gives her a lot more reach um you don't have to buy new oars she still has the same length on the oar so we're going to try it in a few weeks just go up from one um we're going to try first in a lake and then we're going to go from one put in to another just at like up at pump house there's a, a put in for about a couple hundred yards upstream i'm going to let her row take out do it again if she wants um and then, uh, you know, we'll go do a whole float for the rest of the day. How many miles are you going to go tomorrow, do you think? Oh, not far. Five miles, maybe. Five miles? Yeah. That's a good deal. What's the average? I mean, it's a typical flow at this flow. And I understand that Colorado's just under, you know, like 1,900 CFS um, at Catamount Bridge, which is pretty good. What is that, three miles an hour that, at that pace? Uh, yeah, if that. I mean, it's not, it's not moving that. Yeah, probably three miles an hour. Um, yeah, you, and that's one of those stretches where, you know, it's very calm and tepid. You give it two more weeks and there's a lot of snow coming down and it becomes very dangerous. So, um, we'll get it in now. I'm going to. Yeah. Because, uh, I don't think runoff has really started. And I think once it starts, we're going to have it for a while. I think think so too this year. It could, it's going to be interesting, which is a good thing for the the overall fishing and the outlook. I mean, last year was brutal. Water's. All just receded by the middle of June, and then we had we were hanging on by a thread in August. So it's, it's looking good. The, the fishing is going to be good. I think that um, the outlook for the whole season is good, but we've got a little, little teeny window right now where you can go out and float. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we'll, we'll get a little bit in, and then it'll get nasty for, well, I don't know, this year. It's going to be really interesting, and then we'll have an awesome rest of the year. All right. Well, 
We'll be back here soon. I'm going to take a little break on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, 104.3 The Fan. This is Kirk Dieter and my friend Tim Romano. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. All right, we're back. This is Kirk Dieter and my friend Tim Romano. Good morning. Yes, and we are filling in for Terry Wickstrom on the Terry Wickstrom Outdoor Show on 104.3 The Fan. And right now, we'd like to go to our friend Cody Wigner with uh, to talk to us about the Colorado Springs Get Outdoors Day. Yeah, so this is Cody Wigner. I'm an assistant area wildlife manager with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And um, so we're doing a, a free Get Outdoors Day, Colorado Springs, um, coming up. Um, one week from today, actually. So next Saturday, June 1st, um, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., it's a free event for the whole family to come out and try a bunch of different outdoor activities. Like what, Cody? Yeah, so we're going to have everything from a lot of shooting sports. So learn to to shoot a, a 22 rifle, archery, um, pellet guns, and everything from rock climbing to stand-up paddle boarding to kayaking, canoeing bike riding, um, segways, uh, it's, you name it, any outdoor activity, and it's probably going to be there. Wow, that sounds like a blast. Is it, yeah, and then um, some fishing, too, I guess. I forgot fishing. So fly fishing and uh, some bait fishing, too, from shore. And uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife is going to be giving out um, 1,000 free fishing poles to the first 1,000 kids that really? show up. Wow. That's amazing. Now, what you said it's all all ages, all for the whole family, and all that stuff. Is there? Is there? Yeah, the whole family. That's the the whole point of the event is really to, uh, you know, kind of have one big event where families can go to kind of dabble in these outdoor activities for free, a hundred percent free event um, to do all these different activities to hopefully um, find a couple um, or all of them that they like and encourage them to get out there and do it on their own, too. But this is a way to let them try it for free. You know, and I, that sounds so good. It was so important for me when I was growing up and learning some of these outdoor sports to have mentors and folks who would teach me because success is what breeds interest, right? So the more that you start down the path and you learn how to fly cast, for example, or you learn how to paddle a boat or you learn how to shoot a gun, um, those things and do it well, that seems to keep people interested in moving along. So I think that's the point that you're making, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, all the vendors, you know, um, we kind of have some some key kind of sponsors and partners, um, but it's really a community event and it's all, uh, you know, mostly local businesses and kind of local government that's really coming together, um, putting this stuff out there for, for everybody. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really a, a great opportunity because some of these outdoor activities aren't the cheapest. So it's much better to try them for free before you dive into them and um, really start getting all the equipment and stuff you would need. That's right. You need you can literally dip a toe in the water, so to speak, before you. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and hopefully not fall in. But we'll have plenty <laughs> of life jackets there for that too. Cody, uh, can can you ride a Segway and fish at the same time, or is that uh, ill advised? Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably not advice. I know those uh, those segways probably don't like water too much. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, this is in Colorado Springs. Where exactly in the Springs is this? 
Yeah, so it's going to be um, Prospect Lake at Memorial Park. Uh, so uh, that's going to be kind of, you know, um, right out, right outside of downtown. And we're going to be more kind of the, the northwest corner um, by the boathouse. But we'll take up pretty much that entire kind of south shore, or sorry, north shore of the lake um, and, and kind of area there. I'm going to have about 40 different vendors um, with, with different activities. So there's a, a lot to see. Um, we'll have some, some food trucks there. Um, lots of water because hopefully the weather is going to stay nice for us. Um, yeah, it's going to be a good time. We're also going to have, yeah, we're going to have some live music too. Um, two different bands. So the, the Fort Carson, uh, fourth infantry division band is going to be there and the Trent Hughes band. So we'll have some live music, um, going all day and, um, an MC kind of doing some stuff and a couple people giving talks on a, on the stage. So it'll be a good event. Is this something you have to register for? Or can you just show up and and get in? Yeah, absolutely. You just show up, um, and there's really, you know, it's it's pretty. It's kind of spread out on that whole North Shore, um, so there's really no focal point. Uh, but all the kids um, at each station, uh, they're going to be giving them out because you can start wherever you want. We will have a main info booth that's going to be ran by the Pikes Peak Outdoor um, Recreation Alliance, and then, uh, but each. Each station is going to have a passport to the outdoors with the list of all the different vendors and each vendor is providing an activity. So as those kids or people go to those vendors and do that activity, they'll get a stamp on their passport and then turn that passport in um, at the end of the day or when they leave for a bunch of different door prizes and uh, a big grand prize at the end. Wow. So we've got food, we've got water to drink and, and all sorts of activities music open for the whole family and all you got to do is show up and be there is that right <laughs> absolutely wow. yep and Sounds then uh, like yeah you get the free fishing pole if you're one of the first thousand kids there too a free pole for one of the first thousand kids now how long has this been going on uh this is let me look i think it's the fourth year we've been doing this um yeah i think this is year four wow sounds Sounds like a great idea. Sounds like a great event for a family. Even, if, but even if you're someone who's say you're an adult man or woman and you've always wanted to learn something in the outdoors, those people are welcome, I'm sure, as well. Um, they can- oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, because it's a uh, really. in last year we uh, estimated about five thousand people showing up, so we're hoping to to grow. It seems like each year we kind of grow, so we're hoping that more come out. And another thing to point out: so the first full weekend of June. Is free fishing weekend, so adults. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna give adults free fishing poles. We want to save those for the kids, but the adults feel free to bring their own fishing pole, and you can fish for free, um, no license required in the state of Colorado. The first full weekend of June, which this year is going to be June first and second. So there's really, I mean, as far as one, if you you're someone who happens to be listening now and you want to dabble in fishing, there's really no better way to start or get get touched off or started off than by heading down to the Colorado Springs Get Outdoors today. Get Outdoors Day is next Saturday, right, Cody? Yep. And what time does it start? 9 a.m. 9 a.m. till they can't take any more. 3 p.m. till 3 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Until you've had enough. And um, open for all ages, open for families, open for individuals, all sorts of sports, all sorts of activities, live music, Great food. Sounds like a winner to me. Hey, Cody, thanks a lot for being on and talking to us about all this, and good luck with the event next week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
All right. Good luck. Well, I think I might have found something to do next Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's perfect. Well, I'll tell you what. When we come back on the other side, um, we're going to be talking about another aspect, uh, and that's going to be the recruitment and hiring for our Parks and Wildlife, and that'll be an interesting discussion. So 104.3 The Fan, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. This is Kirk Dieter and Tim Romano in on the substitute basis, and we'll be back in a bit. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Indeed, you are listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, but you're not listening to Terry Wickstrom. You're listening to Kirk Dieter and Tim Romano, who are filling in for our dear friend Terry Wickstrom on 104.3 The Fan today. Right now, we want to be... um, Switching gears a little bit, Tim. I think we're going to talk to Corinne Service. Corinne, are you here? Yep, I'm here. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you today? Doing well. Doing well. It's a beautiful day. Well, we want to talk today about Colorado Parks and Wildlife and recruitment and hiring. Absolutely, yeah. So we are, it's that time of year again, and we are looking to bring in all of our new park ranger and district wildlife manager uh, recruits. Uh, So we just posted that job and just want to get the word out that you know if you think this job isn't for you, uh, take take another take another look. And uh, we want to really encourage folks to to look into our agency and consider consider working for us because it's you know according to me at least it's the best job I've ever had and every day is different. So I've had a chance obviously with my work to work closely with a lot of CPW folks and uh, I'm always envious. It seems to be that they have the nicest office of anybody. And Absolutely. All those places people are uh, lining up to get into today is uh, where we get to work every day. Every day. And you see lots of interesting stuff. And and, and you're also um, you're there for a number of reasons. Obviously, you're there for you know, public safety and enhancing the experience and so on and so forth. What kind of what kind of person are you thinking that you're looking for most? I mean, if, I, if you were to give me the prototype recruit, who's your who's your ideal recruit? You know, there really, there really isn't a prototype. We're just looking for people that have that passion and really want to, you know, protect our resources and help people uh, to enjoy those resources, whether they're Coloradans or visitors to this beautiful state. Um, and so as long as you have that passion and that those, those skills and you like working with people and talking to people, then, then this is a good fit for you. You raise a really good point in that it's very people-focused job, obviously. you Dealing with absolutely lots of personalities and so forth. Would you count that like among the top priorities for candidates? Absolutely, because if you think about it, you know you, we're talking with all walks of life, and, and we want people with all types of experience so we can relate to to the folks that we are here to serve. Great. Now, specifically, what what you know, walk walk me a little bit through the process. Like, if I woke up one day and I said, "This is a career path that I want to go down," what what would what would happen? What would I what I experience. Yeah, sure. So first, first you got to get your application in. Um, and we're looking for folks with, you know, a four-year degree and, and preferably in the, in the wildlife biology, biology or natural resource management or sciences uh, background. And then it is, an, it is a long process for hiring. So we post the job in May. It closes June 28th. Uh, and then the first day of work will be January 2nd. And so between, you know, June and December is that hiring process. 
And so, again, it starts at the application, and then we move into the fitness exam. So we have a pretty basic fit, fitness exam to make sure that you can, uh, you know, be there to help people and, and be physically fit enough to, to respond when you're called on. Uh, and once you get through that physical exam, we have a, a written exam, and that's about a 100-question multiple-choice test for both the park ranger and the district wildlife manager positions. They're different tests, but about 100 questions each. And from there, we move on to what we call the oral panel or the oral boards, where we invite you in and ask you a series of questions just to find out kind of your background and your knowledge base. And we're really looking for, again, those people that have that passion and they have, you know, a unique experience that they can share with us as to why they want, why they want this job and, and how they would, you know, get out there and, and really work with the public and what they, what they think. Uh, and after that, we have a background check, and it's a pretty extensive background check because all of our uh, park rangers and district wildlife managers are post-certified, so they go to the police academy, and they have to, you know, we all are fully armed and fully certified officers for the state of Colorado, so we really want to make sure that we're getting the right fit and the right people in, into this position. And so we conduct that background check, and once all that's done, uh, they have final interviews. Um, and a few more hoops to jump through, we have some, you know, we do drug tests and we do um, make sure, again, that they ha they're physically fit and they go to a physical and get that exam done. And then final offers and, you know, then it's then it's the beginning of a brand new and amazing career. Yeah, and then there's no looking back from there, I suppose. Absolutely. That sounds really, really cool. And about how many applicants do you typically get in season? You know, it's anywhere from about 200 to 500, depending on the year. Um and I know that sounds like a big pool of people, but really a lot of a lot of folks, um, I think, really try to try this job. But the process is so long that a lot of people drop out just because they're, you know, when the economy is great, they're getting these other jobs. But you typically get, I would say, around 300 just average. Um, and at the end of the day, we usually hire about anywhere from six to ten or six to eight probably district wildlife managers and about 10 to 15 park rangers every year. So you're getting the cream of the crop. I mean, it's, a, it's definitely a, a competitive deal. People need to be vested and, and work through this process, and, and then you end Absolutely. up with the best. Absolutely. Brent, I had a question. I, you know, being out on the river a couple of weeks ago, um, Browns Canyon, we noticed, I don't know, two or three boats of folks. Would, would these be the people that you're hiring? Is this the position, or, or is that something completely different? Are those rangers that I would have seen? So, yeah, we, so the Arkansas Headwaters uh, yes. is one of our state recreation areas, so it's in our system, and we certainly have a lot of, um, you may have seen some seasonal staff out there, but we also have full-time staff that are running, running those waters and just making sure everybody's safe and helping out when things go wrong. And Actually, I got my start, start out there at Browns Canyon. I was a raft guide for a private company, but that's oh, sort cool. of what introduced me to Colorado and made me want to be a park ranger. So would they be, would they be floating every day during the season, or is it just kind of sporadic? I think uh, it's, it really depends. I think we like to get a, a lot of our seasonal staff out there, so we have a presence and we're there to answer questions and again help help when needed. But a lot of a lot of the time, you're you're kind of there's campgrounds you're running, there's you know parking lots you're helping out. So we have you're getting pulled in a lot of different directions. So I don't think as much as we would love to get out on the river every day, um, I don't know if it's an everyday occurrence, but it's certainly as much as we can to make sure that we're available when when needed. We writers and photographers would love to get on the river every day, too, and we don't, unfortunately. So. <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? It wouldn't that be nice? Say you go through this process and you're, you, 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 do you, do you get assigned to a spot that you choose then, or is this something that 
you know, you, you could be randomly assigned someplace or, you know, if you're, you're from a certain area of Colorado, would you typically end up in that area as well? Uh, you know, it, it sort of depends. We definitely, we want um, everyone's input. We want to place people where they, you know, are comfortable and where they'll be happy and where they're going to want to stay. Um, but there, there are those places that are lesser known. And so someone's got to go there. And so there is an element of, we do place you where there is a need and where there's a vacancy, but we really do want to find out what that person wants and where they want to be so we can make the best selection and put people where, again, they're going to want to stay and be a part of that community for a while. And is there an age cutoff? Say you're someone who has a career now and you just think, you know, it's time for me to change. I mean, are people nope, able no to age. No age cutoff. You just you have to be 21 uh, to apply. So really, there's a minimum age, but no maximum. Wow. So you could take a wholesale career ch- shift if you felt like it. Absolutely. Are, are, wow. you, are you leaving me as a partner, Dieter? I'm, I'm looking at you right now. I'm thinking, <laughs> this all sounds really good. Uh-huh. As long as I get to sign to that spot where I get to row the river every day. Be about that. Yeah, there you go. Those, those coveted positions. You have to get, in, get out in there right there by the water. So what what's the process? What the, again, We've talked about the steps and so forth, but reiterate for our audience here what they need to do now. They've, they've heard your, they heard the spiel. They know what's going on, but they're thinking, hey, I really want to follow up on this. What should they do? Absolutely. So they can go to our website uh, or they can go to the, the Colorado State website and look at jobs, and that's where we post everything, and, that, and they fill out an application. Um, and if they have any other questions, too, on June Wednesday, June 19th, we're going to have a question and answer session uh, at our Hunter Ed building at 6060 Broadway from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. for people to come in and, again, ask more questions about the job or the application or the process itself. Uh, John Hood and myself will be there. And if you don't live in the metro area and you can't get there, we're also it'll be a Facebook Live event so people can, again, get more information um, and really find out if this is a good fit for them and we can answer all those last-minute questions so they can get their applications in by uh, 5 p.m. on June 28th. That all sounds great. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time and talking to us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks, Corinne. All right, everybody. So that was Corinne Service again with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Sounds like a really interesting – I mean, Tim, I'm not leaving you anytime soon. Don't worry (laughs) about it. But but if I were, this would be one of the things I'd consider for sure. Absolutely. Anyway – We'll be back on the other side. This is Kirk Dieter and Tim Romano in for Terry Wickstrom on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. All right. Kirk Dieter and Tim Romano back at you. Filling in for Terry Wickstrom on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, 104.3 The Fan. By the way, Terry, if you're listening, thank you. This is a blast. We're having a great time. And uh, what a great opportunity it is for a couple of print and photograph type guys to get into the radio studio and play around a little bit. Yes, thank you very much, Terry. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that I was, I, I told my friends and family, you know, hey, I'm going to be on the radio. And I said, well, <clears throat> maybe we could ask some questions. So going back to like we used to do with Fly Talk when people would write in to the blog with Field and Stream and ask us questions about fishing, and we would give us our best answers. So I have actually assembled 
unbeknownst to you, Tim, right. a, a handful of questions that I'm going to ask you, and then you get to you do your answer first, and then I'll do my answer. So second. you're so you're asking yourself questions. I'm asking myself. So I've had what I'm saying <laughs> is I've had a lot more time to prepare. So I'm going because these are questions that I've known about for a few days. So I'm going to have much more intelligent answers than you are. Oh, good for you. <laughs> but I'm, but I'm but I'm I'm putting you on the spot anyway, right? Okay, so as usual. Are you game? Sure. I mean, because we've now we've gotten 45 minutes in to the show, and now we're the gloves are off, and we're going to start really having fun. Let's do it. Sound good? Oh, here we go. All right. So, <clears throat> question number one came from our friend Todd, mutual friend Todd Tanner. Yes. What is your favorite production graphite rod for small to medium dry flies and fishing for trout? Mm. It is a tough question since there are so many good brands out there these days. But uh, being an admitted, you know, Colorado brand Scott Fly Rod fanboy, I I gotta say, anything in their old G series, their Magic Pixie Dust, uh, some of their newer stuff, or or even the glass. Yeah, stuff. yeah, I would you know. First of all, Todd makes a good point, and he asks for small to medium flies. A lot of people make the mistake of thinking what fly rod, you're matching a fly rod to the, the fish, right? So you use a five weight for. Sure. Well, really, if you ask sort the of. rod designers, they're really meant to be matched for the flies that you're throwing. Right. I think people make that mistake a lot. Right, right. So the, the five weight is kind of the all rounder, you know, four weight. I, I think for Colorado fishing, for dry fly fishing in Colorado, four weight is probably my favorite. Or, or conditions, too. you got to yeah, think yeah. about conditions. There's a lot of factors that go into it, not just the fish that you're catching, right? So I would also say that my favorite is a Scott G, the new G series, 8-foot, eight, eight, eight 8-inch, eight four-weight. That's that's your choice. Yeah. You're sticking with it. But I've always said that I'm the Will, Roz, Will Rogers of fly rods. I haven't met a fly rod I didn't like. <laughs> None? Right? None. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So anyway, that's it. So there you go. Scott, you're welcome. All right. Um, best. This is more for you. Okay. The best lightweight camera, you know, to carry in your pocket for fishing. When you go fishing, I know I've seen you. I mean, you you carry like stuff that it, yeah, you need a sherpa to. It's stupid. Right. But and you shoot the SLR body most of the time. Most of the time, but I, it gets old. You know, I've gotten I've I've been paring down in recent years. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about specific photo tips. At the end of the next hour, I, I want to talk to you about getting great photos. But if you're just going to be bombing around and you want a camera, do you have a, a favorite for? Sure, the uh, you know the best tool for the job is what you have on you. So mm-hmm. I say a phone. I mean, they've gotten so good, you don't even really need to buy a camera at this point. I think so many people would be surprised by the amount of magazine covers and magazine images. That were shot with an iPhone. Oh, yeah. It's gotten really good. I mean, iPhones, Androids, they've all gotten really, really, really good. And for most people, you don't need a lot more than that. And I think it makes you take pictures more. because You don't have to think about bringing a camera right. to work it. You just pull out your phone, take a picture. And now what about the waterproof aspect of it? You know, like, do you get a case, like a little otter case? or You know, you don't even, I, I don't, I can't claim to know all phones, but I didn't even know my most recent phone purchase, which was, you know, silly over-the-top expensive iPhone, it is actually waterproof. 
down to a couple of feet. Really? really? So if you make a mistake, it falls out of your pocket. You're yeah. Fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you want to scuba dive with it, but uh, for the most part, you're you're pouring rain, little dunk, you're good. All right. Well, okay. So this one's from Larry. What is? And we've been lucky. Let's be honest. We, with with our jobs, we we go to some pretty cool places. And exceptionally fortunate. Yeah, really lucky. That's, you know, when people wake, you know, I, I wake up some days and I say, wow, how did I get here, you know, with this work? But what's the coolest trip you've been on in the last few years? Mm. Um, honestly, re- I did two trips recently. Um, one in, in Russia on the Kamchatka Peninsula. Um, did a, a week-long float for trout fishing. Um, which was absolutely amazing. What, was that with Will Blair? The best yeah, of yeah, an outfit called Best of Kamchatka. Huh? Um, went with a friend of mine too, who uh, who happened to come on the trip, and it was just amazing. I mean, it's like going to Alaska 150 years ago. I know. Like, there's no one there. Yeah, the fish haven't seen people. Yeah. They haven't seen flies. It, it was. Yeah, we fished mouse patterns on surface all day every day every day yeah and and we're so used to these trout you know daintily feeding in the seam in the corner and you you throw this mouse fly in the middle of the creek there and they come shooting off the bank like someone fired a a torpedo you can see them waking toward the middle of the of the river to to crush this mouse fly yeah yeah it was pretty exceptional i mean i know you and i do little bit of mouse fishing in the evenings and at night here that's when you can kind of do it but to be able to throw a rodent on a fly rod all day pretty cool how about salt water you got a salt water uh yeah i don't get to do a lot of salt water so anything for me is pretty fun but i just did a trip uh another trip to christmas island that i hosted which is about 1200 miles south of uh hawaii right on the equator and it was also a really cool trip just lots of waiting. Um, very, very, very interesting place. A lot of cool history there. All right. My my answer to that is. Yeah, what's yours? Tasmania. I was just in Australia. And this is where they first brought brown trout outside of Europe in 1864. And I was kind of doing a story looking at the roots of this brown trout fishery. And while I was there, we would sight fish to seven-pound browns that are in shin-deep gin clear water like bonefish sounds horrible yeah i know i struggled through it and and oh by the way as you're doing all this there are wallabies bouncing along the and snakes too right yeah there's tigers your, your favorite yeah i've always liked them. <laughs> yeah yeah i've always appreciated when you would make snake noises and jump out of the grasses and stuff and and there's there's a serious boat boat culture there too right oh. like wooden boats yeah, beautiful wooden boats. It's it's amazing. I I think that and and most people here hear about New Zealand, um, and and New Zealand's wonderful, but um, they sell like twenty three thousand licenses to foreigners a year. In Tasmania, they sold five hundred. It's wide open. Five hundred. Yeah. Wow. Wide open. What would you say to someone to say that's a long way to go just to trout fish? It's a really long way to go just to trout fish. But you, I would I would not just trout fish. I would go and see all the wildlife and do all the cool stuff that you can do in Australia. I mean, if you were going to Australia for whatever reason, definitely worth taking some time. Take, take the jump down uh, south. Absolutely. Down under, down under. All right. Next question. This one's from Pete. 
Nymph fishing, dry fly fishing, or streamer fishing? What's your favorite type? Well, I know I'm going to get, you know, hate hate email, but you can just cross off the first one for me. Nymph fishing? Yeah, not really my My thing. friend Jim Dawson says that nymph fi- fishing is like uh, bowling with the bumpers up. <laughs> it's like trolling, right? Yeah, bowling with the bumpers up. Uh, no, it's good. I mean, but it's, it's I like dry fly fishing. I, I, I vacillate. I'm more of a streamer guy, as you know. That's but cool. I, you know, I'm not, if it's, there's no way I'm going to turn down dry fly fishing if it's happening streamers okay next question if you weren't fishing for trout you'd be fishing for <laughs> uh carp yeah that's what i was gonna say too i mean mainly just by by uh they're here they're everywhere yeah, geographic I, it's what we've got that's that's fun super challenging hard um, to catch very hard i i have a love-hate relationship with them yeah Give them the today wouldn't be a bad day to go out carping. Actually, no, no. In fact, I might do it a little later this afternoon. afternoon it's a good idea. <laughs> All right, and the last question: Your favorite Colorado hatch, insect hatch, is? Does it have to uh, have to have a location? No, it's like stone flies here. Green, green drakes, anywhere. Yeah, like on the frying pan in August. Ro- Roaring for Roaring for yeah. Green drakes. Lightning round. Dusk. Yeah. Fishing by by sound. Yeah. That's yours. I was gonna say I like betas. I like fall betas, like when the snow comes. Technical and it's guy. Like big silver dollar snowflakes at the very end. So we'll see. We'll see how you know. But again, I'm like a Will Rogers of hatches. I've never met one that I didn't like. <laughs> All right. Well, well, that was fun. No, see, I, that, that was good. Good, honest answers. You know, wasn't that hard? Wasn't that bad, was it? No. All right. Well, okay, then we'll dive right in on the other side with Nate Zielinski from uh, Tightline Outdoors. And this is Kirk Dieter and Tim Romano filling in for Terry Wickstrom on 104.3 The Fan.